certainly the challenges are, um, you know, facing the, um, the world system is far higher than it's ever been, you know, and, uh, and what they face, they really need our encouragement and prayer. But you know where the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And uh, we're, our future's in good hands here. We got some kids that are just on fire and love God. And as Scott was sharing on Tuesday night, um, I'm, I was just there the one night. And I know um, the other nights they had the similar kind of re- response and God doing stuff. And it was amazing to see how a call for young people to say yes to the purposes of God in their life and submit to, you know, the idea of glorifying God, that all of them, you know, all 100 kids came to the altar and knelt and were calling up to the Lord and praying for one another. It's just an amazing thing. And, and uh, we need to keep them in prayer and believe God to just keep ministering to their life and touching them. Well, we are, we started um, this series, Navigating Life in Babylon, Um, grabbing from the scripture the concept that Babylon is is more than just like a place, Uh, you know, centuries ago, but Babylon is a system. It's a world system. In fact, we read about it in the book of Revelation, actually, ba- the, the, the system of Babylon. And uh, the system of Babylon is the system that, that is anti-God. It's, 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 uh, it appears sometimes just as secular, but it's more than that. And, you know, the scripture says, Jesus said, are you either for me or against me? Like, there is no middle ground. Though sometimes it appears like people are living in middle ground, but nobody's really in middle ground. We're either for him or against against him. In fact, the scripture does say that those who say they're for him, but they live compromising lives, he says, um, he said, you're lukewarm and I spew you out of my mouth. In fact, what he's saying is you make me sick. So, um, but, but really, um, it's this idea that we're living in this system, all of us, and, uh, and if we're trying to follow Christ, well, there's opposition to that. And how do you navigate that? How do you navigate a world? How do you navigate, um, you know, a workplace environment? How do you navigate a school environment? How do you navigate a community that is, is by and large, moving further and further away from God? And, uh, and how do you live in that world? And we're not the first to actually have to do that, by the way. That is something that has happened from the beginning. And Jesus actually said that there would be a division and, uh, in, in the, in the, throughout you know, history. And we know that God said, even at the beginning in the book of Genesis, that there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and there would be a division that would be there. So we live that. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, we're looking at a man who actually did live in physical Babylon. And, uh, and he started there as a teenager. He was captured and was brought 
into an environment, not only was he brought abruptly into an environment where he had, it was a foreign language, foreign culture, anti-God culture. Um, if you think America uh, is morally corrupting and has gone as bad, bad as it can, um, actually that's not the case. Uh, Babylon was worse. And, uh, and yet this young man stood at, uh, uh, for uh, his beliefs and his faith in God and he stood when everything else, the pressure of everything else around him, when he decided to make that stand for God. Started as a teenager. And it went throughout his life. And, and there were times, like for instance, that he had to stand on the purposes of, of, uh, you know, of God and God's word. He had to make decisions based upon God's word that were contrary and actually could cost his life. On several occasions, he really risked his life um, in, in such a way that probably, um, apart from a miracle from God, he would have been killed. But he, he did it because he believed strongly. Kind of begs to ask that question, what would you die for? You know, what, what, what would get you to the place in your life that you would be willing to die? What would you die for? Well, Daniel was willing to die for God and the purpose of God and whatever it take, would take to get there. And he lived biblically, is the way I would say it. He lived biblically. So as we take a look at how Daniel lived, and he lived his life this way, and he lived not only when things were tough, but when things were going great, he stood, still stood. See, it's one thing to stand when you have nothing, and it's another thing when you st stand in the world's view, you have everything. Because Daniel became, he, he, he was recognized by king, the king Nebuchadnezzar, and he was taken to the place where he was, at one point, he was the most powerful man in the kingdom other than the king. And, and for several kings, he was that way. So he went from being this slave in the house of the, the king to having everything and anything he wanted. People would bow down when he walked into the room. He would have wealth beyond everybody else in the kingdom. He could have anything at his beck and call. And yet that did not corrupt him, which I think is a higher, you know, that, 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 that's a greater achievement than doing it when you have nothing. He stood firm in every situation. He lived out his life consistently. Now, this, now what had happened was, he was captured in Babylon. Under two kings, he was raised to this place of leadership, and then the Medio Persian Empire invaded Babylon and conquered it. And a new king arises out from the Medio Persian, a different empire, rises up. And when they conquered them, you would think they'd just wipe out everybody that's in power, but they kept, he kept Daniel. Something about Daniel caused this king to go, I think I want him around. 
Now this king decided he was going to divide up the kingdom into 120 provinces. Kind of make it easy, easier to manage. And each province got what they call a satrap. It's actually like a governor. So each, each uh, province had a governor to overrule it. And then that was too many, 120. So he picked three who would, would uh, regionalize it. So there were three satraps that were the, you know, the head guys, and they were over these 120. And the scripture says that, in, in, and we'll pick the story up in verse number three, if you want to follow along. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. I like that phrase, an excellent spirit. What does it mean to have an excellent spirit? Well, this story of Daniel, actually, we can pick out the characteristics of Daniel that made him to have this excellent spirit. But he's a man who walked in purity before God. He, he, he walked in a holy way before God. And he was faithful. We see those two at least in that, in that description of him being a man with an excellent spirit. And it says um, that, that, he, that the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So now the king is going, you know, I'm going to just put Daniel over everybody. Well, that was a good thing, and it was a bad thing. For Daniel, you see, when, when, uh, when, a, when someone is, you know, oftentimes promoted or blessed, they get two reactions. There are those who are happy for them. There are those who love to see people being blessed, and they're behind you, and that's what love does. Love looks at somebody else's blessing and achievement and doesn't walk in jealousy about it, but is happy for them and wants to bless them. You know, as Christians, we should be, we should be those who, you know, have the party for the person who gets blessed. We should be the ones right there with someone. Someone's doing well. We want to be the ones that go, man, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. We're those people. There's no reason to have any jealousy in the kingdom of God because God loves all of us and God has great blessing and plans for each and every one of us and eternally we'll be uh, living in a place that we can't even imagine. So that, you know, there's no place for that. But, you know, Babylon, these satraps, these governors got jealous and they were jealous of Daniel and they wanted to do something about it. Um, and so they, 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 look what it says there in, in verse number four. The governor of Satrap sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not, they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So they first decided, let's go through, you know, they hired a special, special counsel to go through everything, and they did investigation after investigation, and they couldn't find a thing on Daniel. Not a thing. He was living, he, he was faithful, he did everything that he was supposed to do, and he did it faithfully. And then... They said, to, they said to themselves, listen, we're not going to find anything. Look at verse 5. These men said, 
um, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So the only way we're going to do this is we know he lives, you know, an upright life. He's a faithful man. We've got to find it in his religious belief system. And we're going we're gonna to have to go there to get him in trouble. So it says, so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. They're but- buttering him up, right? And all the governors in the kingdom and administrators and satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king Darius signed the written decree. Now, most of you, many of you, uh, I should say it this way, every one of you that grew up in Sunday school class, you know this story really well. Because there are certain ones, you know, like, like David and Goliath, and Noah's flood, and Daniel in the lion's den. Because kids pick up, they can pick up in these stories, they can pick up principles and get them easier than going through, you know, the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. It's just, you know, or the 8th chapter of the book of Revelation. But, but, so you have this story. I mean, this isn't new to you, for many of you. Um, for those who didn't grow up in Sunday school class like me, maybe uh, some of you, you're, this is kind of new in this story. But the point that this, what's going on here is this. In the Medo Persian Empire, they were law, the law was first. Where in the Babylonian Empire, the emperor had, the emperor had all power. He was... He, he had complete control. He could make a law. He could end a law. He could do whatever he wanted. In the medieval Persian Empire, the law became higher, actually, than the king. The king could make a law, but once he made it, he couldn't rescind it. The law was too... So that's what they were getting him to do, sign a law that he could not rescind. And they lied to do it. They said, we, we talked to everybody. We talked to all the satraps, all the governors... All of us had a council, had a meeting together, and we decided this is what we would like to do. Well, they didn't get all of them. They didn't get one of the most important, one of the top three. They didn't, they didn't consult with Daniel on this. He wouldn't agree to that. So they lied to get it passed, to get what they wanted. And then, but something, but this situation that would come to Daniel would be facing the lion's den, would be one of the best things that ever happened in his life. Sometimes the things that you think are the worst can turn out for the best. Because the Bible says this, all things work together for good to those who love God and called according to his purpose. There is no disaster, there is no problem, there is no situation that God cannot make good out of it. And he says, if you love him, if you're a follower of him, that he will make good out of it. One way or the other, you're going to land on your feet. Whatever you're going through, 
Because God will make that happen as you follow him and put him first. Now, so Daniel starts by living biblically. He, he lives his life in such a way, an honorable way, that he shines, that it's seen, it's well known. Everybody knows Dan, who Daniel is, and everybody knows that Daniel serves the living God. They all know who he serves. They all know he, this is his, the, the guy. And they all know if we're going to get him, we're going to have to get him in, a, in the place of his religion. Because Daniel didn't hide who he followed. He was not a hidden follower of God. He was not an undercover follower of God. He was one who followed God openly and faithfully. And that comes to the second point, and that is this, living boldly. Because that's what Daniel did. And I want you to, as we pick it up in verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the writing um, was signed, he went home. Now, he didn't go home to hide. He went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. So he worshiped the Lord, he gives thanks, he prays, and listen to this, as was his custom. Will you say that with me? As was his custom. Let's do that a little bit better. As was his custom. I want that to sink in. This, is, this was not something that Daniel went to prayer because he went, oh no, what is going, I'm going to die, what am I going to do now? It wasn't because he was faced with a great problem, difficulties, bad news. That's not why he went to pray. He went to pray because that's what Daniel did. Daniel did that when things were going good and when things were going bad. It didn't matter what the situation was. Daniel was consistent. It says he did it from, from the time he, from the very early days, since early days, since he was young. He learned how to pray, and he was consistent with his praying. And I want to encourage parents, listen, teach your kids to pray. Say, well, I'm not even very good at praying. Give what you got. Give what you got. You know? Take, kneel down at, at bedtime, maybe, and I mean, I'm not going to tell you exactly what you have to do, but, you know, find a way. You know, kneeling down at the side of the bed of your kid when you're tucking them in and, and you talk to God. And you teach them to talk to God. And you teach them to talk to God when things are going on in their life, in their day. And you stop and pray. You know, we'll, we have kind of a, a pattern in our family. We'll do this. It won't even be, it won't even be hey, let's pray. We'll just be somewhere, and the thought of praying will we'll get us, and we'll just go, oh, Heavenly Father, we just ask God you do them. We'll just jump right in. Father, thank you for that, and we'll go right in. So you'll be in conversation, and one of us will just start praying. And it's pretty easy once you say, our Father, we're in. But it's just a pattern. Of, uh, it's just a, it, you, you build, you're walking with God all day, and you just build in your, your conversation, your interaction with God. 
and you do it with one another. You teach your kids to do that, and they're going to do that. And life, the way they live their life, is going to be blessed as a result of that. Daniel, from an early age, prayed. He went to prayer. Now look, it says that, that, that the first thing he did was he opened up the windows. He wasn't doing that because he was going in your face. This was not an in your face kind of thing. Oh, you're going to tell me not to pray? In your face. It wasn't that. This is what he did. He didn't change his behavior at all. He opened the windows because, you see, King Solomon, when he built the temple, had prayed and he said, Lord, whenever we rebel against you and we are scattered among the nations, whenever that happens, may we turn and face this place and pray and would you heal us and bring us back to the land. Daniel understood that. So Daniel's one of those, as they're off now, scattered, he opens the window and he prays toward the temple, toward Jerusalem, in hopes that God will bring the people back. And Daniel would be able to see that happen. He would be instrumental in that happening. Now, here's the the way that you, when you face your lions, because sometimes... You know, all of us at some point face our lions. And what are your lions? They're the places in your life, they're the situations that you face in which there's challenges to compromise. It, it, it might be at, at the workplace and everybody's, you know, everybody's operating and doing things that you go, as a follower of Christ, I, I feel uncomfortable doing that but the pressure's on. Or it's in the neighborhood. Or it's at the school. Or it's in the home. But the pressure's on. And the pressure's on to, is to just, well, it isn't what I would normally do. Maybe I should stand up for God, but at this point, that's, that's your lion's den. You know, where you have to make a decision, am I gonna stand for God, or am I going to face the lions? Am I going to face those challenges? And this is what Daniel did. He remembered God's faithfulness in the past. Now, if you've been serving God for any length of time, you have experienced God's faithfulness in the past. You, you've experienced things. I mean, I, if you're a new believer, maybe you haven't got the history behind you. But if you've been following Christ for a while, you've seen God answer prayer. You've seen situations where God turned it around. You've seen God working on your behalf. In fact, I think even many times non-believers know that God's been working. I know of a couple of incidents in my life before I came to Christ. I had near-death experiences in which I'm confident God was protecting me, even though I wasn't following him. And so... We look at what God has done in the past. We look at and remember his faithfulness. Say, if God did that for me then. You see, if, if, God, if God made me and my friends, you know, and, and the king look at us and say, they look like they're the healthy ones because they ate the way we ate. Maybe God could do something this time too. 
Number two, he had a conversation with God three times a day. You, you would be more bold if you had a conversation with God three times a day. Right? I mean, if you're consistent, he went up and prayed three times a day consistently. He was consistent in his prayer life. And like I said, he didn't do it only when things were bad. He had a relationship with God that was going on. And that relationship with God strengthened him. What makes a man or woman of God strong and bold and, you know, immovable? What makes it? It is that time with God. It is a consistently with God. See, the secret to standing strong is kneeling often. That's where the power comes from. That's where the strength comes from. It wasn't that Daniel was just a really courageous guy, you know? He was one of those guys, he didn't care, you know, if he lived or died, he just was, you know. That's not what Daniel was. It wasn't, his strength didn't come from just, he was made that way. His strength came because he grabbed hold of God in his life. He drew strength from God every day. And so when it was time to pray, he wouldn't think twice about not praying, even though the it, it could cost him. He, he wouldn't even think about not praying. Praying is what he did. And he wouldn't think about just going home and hiding. He could have left the windows closed. Nobody would have known. He could have prayed quietly. No one would have known. But that's not who Daniel was. And he became who he was because Daniel spent time with God every day. That's where he got his strength. And then thirdly, he knew the rewards were greater than the risks. He knew the rewards. Ultimately, God would bless him greater than the risk that was there. No matter what happened as a result. No matter what the risk was. The risk was his life. But death couldn't compare to the reward that God would have for him. And he knew that. He believed it. And he stood on that. He made a decision, a decision that I think was easy for him because it was the way he lived. See, we need to minimize the negative possibilities in our mind and maximize the rewards of faith. There's great reward in being a follower of Christ. We need to think about some of the negative things that can happen when we stand strong for God. And quite frankly, you know, we don't live in a world, at least in our, currently, even though things are getting tougher in some ways, but we don't live in the kind of world that Daniel lived in. It was in such opposition to his faith. I was, um, I, I saw a, a video clip of a friend of ours. And, um, in fact, uh, Wayne Cadero um, did a was was talking about some of the um, some of the friends or some of the people he was ministering to in China, and uh, several years back we, we had Wayne come and share with us, and I remember this story, but recently it's been reposted and it went viral, and there's been several million people who has watched this, and I think some of the news networks actually uh, put it on their their sites, and. Uh, and it was, it's, it was so touching. Um, I thought we would play it uh, for you. It's a little bit 
uh, YouTube-ish kind of. It's not as clear as we'd like, but you'll get the, the message. Listen to, to Wayne as he shares uh, his experience.
You know, um, so many of our brothers and sisters around the world really suffer greatly for their faith and take a lot of risk every time they gather or share. And In fact, um, China's um, been pressing down on a new law to even make it harder on Christians and, uh, and make it illegal for um, Christians to bring people in and speak and, um, and to proselytize. That means if you share your faith with people, it won't stop the Christians there. They will continue to do it. They will continue to risk. They'll continue to face that. I, I was just kind of thinking about the fact that, you know, what would happen if God decided to go, like, do the rapture, but instead of the rapture up, we raptured, you know, Americans, Christians were raptured to China, and Chinese Christians were raptured here. I wonder what nation would be most affected by that change, you know? I was thinking about that. But you wouldn't want that, right? I wouldn't want that. I mean, our freedom is really wonderful and something we cherish that we can have the freedom without the persecution. But the fact is that freedom has made us soft. It's made us soft. I know Christians that won't even pray over their food in a restaurant because they're embarrassed. They, they won't stand up and tell, and I know Christians that no one knows. I've had Christians tell me, no one at my workplace knows I'm a Christian. Too ashamed. It's interesting, Jesus, Jesus said, if, um, if, you're, if you will not confess me before men, he says, I won't confess you before my father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you. And uh, Paul wrote in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Don't be ashamed. You have so much to be proud of as a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you stand for God, Standing for God builds your faith and your character. It builds your faith. It makes you stronger. I think sometimes we're afraid to stand up for God or to let people know we're Christians because we know we're going to be scrutinized a lot more. You know, they're going to have their eye on us. Once you say you're a Christian, oh yeah? And they're looking at us. And maybe we don't like that kind of scrutiny because we know we're not perfect. But I think the pressure is good for us. I think it's good to have that pressure on us, that people take a look at us, and we know they're watching us, and we make sure, hey, you know what, we're gonna be at, we're gonna try, we have to be at work on time because we can't cheat our boss, or we can't cheat the company, or you know, we have to be honest, or we, we maybe do not follow the crowd. It's not a bad thing. But when you do, your faith is increased. And your characters increase. So I kind of ask that question again. Where are you most tempted to hide your faith? Is there a place? A community of people? I think God would like to toughen us up a little bit. 
I think we're a little soft. Then in verse 11, it says, These men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The king is true. This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and with no music musicians who were brought before him also he, sleep went from him. So he had a sleepless night. He could not put on his, you know, his iTunes and listen to music. He had no, he, he, uh, he wouldn't eat. He was fasting. He was heartbroken because he, he had gotten to love Daniel. He'd gotten to, to really care about this man who was such a faithful servant. And that takes us to the third and last point, and that is this, living blessed. What does it mean to be living, living blessed? Well, it doesn't obviously mean you will not have trouble. That's obviously not what it means. It doesn't mean you won't have enemies. It does mean you'll be able to face your lions courageously. And it does mean when, whatever happens, you will always end up good. You will always land on your feet if you'll be bold. Because you'll be blessed. Then it says in verse 19, Then the king rose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I, found in, I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was glad and he commanded they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. There was no injury. And then in verse 24 it says, and the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. Then he kind of went overboard on the whole thing and uh, he cast in the children and the wives as well. Well, he's not a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a hard ruler dictator. Um, now, don't think because the scripture says that they cast in that that was something that God approved. In fact, God, had, God was the one who said the children are not to be punished for the parents' sin. And, uh, but the point here is this. Listen what the king says. To all peoples, this is what he writes. The king Darius wrote, to all peoples, nations, language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. Listen, Daniel 
I said, one of the greatest things that would ever happen to Daniel was the lion's den. Sometimes we think, you know, our lions and our troubles, our pain, that's just the worst thing. And it might feel that way at the time. But you be bold for God. Even when you're going through, you, you can come, listen, whatever you're going through, whatever pain you're going through, whatever difficulty you're going through. I was telling somebody just this the other day, they're going through a very difficult time. I said, you can complain to God. Oh, complain to God. You want to whine to God? Whine. You say, God, I'm just, I don't mind. Why is this going on? You can just cry out. Just don't complain about God. You can complain to him, but not about him. And you stand firm. You stand strong. You stand bold. And you stand up for God. And God will bless you. This was not the end for Daniel. Daniel's 82 at this point. The influence he had on that king changed the course of history. 18 generations later, coming out of that area of the, of the Babylonian Medo-Persian Empire were some, were some guys, some very important guys that had gifts that ended up in Bethlehem, kneeling down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The influence that Daniel had in Babylon and Armenia, Persia, translated from generation to generation. They were looking for the promise of Messiah and showed up with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh for wise men. But that wasn't Daniel's greatest day. He was 82, so some of you, you know, some, I hear people whining and they're like in their 50s, you know, I think it's time to retire. Daniel had no idea about retirement. It wasn't in the Bible. Now, there might be a time where you're not going to, you know, work for, for money anymore necessarily, but you're never a retired Christian. You always have a job to do. And he wasn't done at 82 because at 85 is when God gave him insight, prophetic insight into the future. That today, you can read in the book of Daniel, and you can see things that Daniel predicted that are taking place, are moving toward that taking place right now in our generation. God gave Daniel tremendous vision and insight and he wrote it down and that insight has been a blessing to the church and to the people of God for generations after that and we'll be actually looking at that on Wednesday nights some of the prophecies of Daniel when we go through our prophetic uh, look coming up this week God was not done with Daniel even then but God was intent on blessing him and he's intent on blessing you. So, live biblically. You know, some things need to be adjusted in your life, make the adjustment. Ask God for help. Live boldly by being a person of prayer, getting your strength from God. Spend time, 
Talk to God, not just when things are going bad. When things are going bad, you know, what do we do sometimes? Things go bad, we up our prayer life. Oh, Lord, help. Be consistent. Be a person who prays when things are going good and things are going bad. Because God wants to use you in prayer. And uh, so, so be biblical, be bold, and be blessed. Father, I pray your blessing upon you.